accessing library computer data. Out there, there are no saints. Just people. everybody, welcome back to the show, continuing our run through Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Right now we're up to the episode called Sons and Daughters. It's the third episode of the sixth season, aired on October 13th, 1997. If I can scroll down here, we'll figure out who wrote this. Written by Bradley Thompson and David Weddle, directed by uh, Jesus Salvador Trevino. In this episode... Alexander Ozhenko joins the crew of the Rotaran, much to the disappointment of Worf, on Tarek Noor, uh, Torah Zial, which I think I'm mispronouncing because everyone yells at me, returns to the station where Dukat intends... I think you mean Tarek Noir. <laughs> Dukat intends to get her close to use her to get closer to Major Kira. So we've got a family-themed affair. Clay, how are you? I'm good. Uh, Alexander is back, and he is whiny. Uh, I would really, I would really like a uh, a supercut across as many shows and movies as possible that do a end of act break with someone going, "Who is that person?" And then the other guy, you cut to the other person who goes, "He's my," and then like father or son, yeah, or he's daughter my, or he's, something like that. He's my uh, familial relation. Yeah, which yeah. Worf, Worf plays a Worf plays a pretty good poker hand there when Alexander shows up and everything. Like it even even leads, you know, they've changed the actor obviously, so even the audience mm. is wondering who the hell is he looking at. And then the reveal of his son is all there for that. So let's uh, this. Go ahead. I was just gonna say, I think this is an episode that would really benefit uh, from uh, what's it uh, HD remastering because it's so hazy on that ship. And Dorn is actually doing some pretty good, like, face acting in that opening scene yeah, where he's, yeah. you know, uh, trying to keep it cool, but he also keeps looking over to Alexander. You can't really see it. It's a shame. He's pretty good. All the Klingon episodes need the remaster. That's a, uh, I'm, yeah, it, it's just the aesthetic of the Klingon ships. It just doesn't really work in standard definition. I'm sure they look great in, like, the mood lighting and the red lighting and everything is nice in, like, real resolution, but it, it certainly yeah. does not hold up well at this point. And they're all brown-skinned, so it's like they all just blend into the background. Um, let's see. We'll take a break. We're going to play an audio clip, and then we're going to come back, and we're going to break down Sons and Daughters. War, for one moment. We have shed blood together. Escaped from a Jem'Hadar prison together. You have pledged yourself and your life to my house. Yet in all this time, you've never once mentioned that you had a son. It is a difficult subject to discuss. That much is obvious. Alexander and I were never close. His mother was only half Klingon and was disdainful of our ways. I see. So you allowed her to raise the boy? No, General. She was killed when he was very young. He spent a short time with me aboard the Enterprise, but after that I sent him to live with my foster parents on Earth. Why? He showed no interest in becoming a warrior. It was difficult, but I learned to accept it and in time encouraged him to find his own path. Then why has he joined the Klingon Defense Forces? I do not know. I have not spoken with him. This is not good, my friend. When a father and son do not speak, it means there's trouble between them. General, I prefer to handle this my own way. Then do so. 
So as you say, Clay, Alexander makes his triumphant, uh, not return, but his triumphant appearance on uh, <laughs> Star Trek Deep Space Nine. And he returns. He says his name multiple, multiple times. And uh, we also get Zial. Is it? Z- Do you know how to pronounce your name? I'm, I'm really in my head now about it. It's not Zial, I think. I don't know how you pronounce it if that's not it, but it's not Zial. So we deal with Gold Ducat's daughter as well. Um, I am the last person you should be asking about what, how to pronounce that name. It's one or of those, any name, frankly. It's one of those things like if you're supposed to pay attention to a detail and you like really pay attention to it for, you know, for like an hour or whatever, and then you walk away and two minutes later you're like, I can't remember what I was paying attention to. Uh, I was trying to remember how to pay attention to her name. Didn't happen. So you're all going to yell at me. I'm going to call her Zial. But um, Alexandra's probably Kristen. Alexandra's probably the more interesting aspect of this. And um, my takeaway from this episode is that for about 40 minutes, it's borderline unintentional genius, I think. And then in the last five minutes, it kind of reverts to a Star Trek episode. And. Mm-hmm. I thought that this one was really a step back from the like what we were calling mature storytelling in the first in the episodes right before this one. This one to me felt like very much a Star Trek ending. And I felt like the mm. Star Trek ending where this is a recurring possible guest star, Alexander, so you have to kind of reset everything. I thought that this I don't even know if the episode was intentionally aware of what it was doing, but I thought this was like a really great episode for a while. And that just in terms of the Alexander and Worf stuff, and I don't even know if you could say it's a great episode as much as I liked the concepts they were playing with, but then it all yeah. falls apart at the end. So what did you think? Yeah, I would agree for the most part. I really liked... Um, it, it's it's a, it's definitely a bit of a change from the last two episodes, uh, uh, but it's... I enjoyed that both plots, the A plot and the B plot, are, are thematically kind of dealing with the same stuff from, uh, you know, uh, different points of view. Um, both parents are using their children for different, uh, like, yeah, unwholesome you know, reasons, I guess, yeah. Well, I wouldn't say, I, I don't I don't think it's that. I think it's the, because the, Worf isn't using his son for anything. He, he's, it's, it's, but they are both stories about uh, uh, kids who have been separated from their parents being brought back together for uh at, you know with with varying results you know well i'd say Worf is using alexander in the same way that he's always been a failed father which is he's trying to make alexander something that he wants him to be so he's he's misusing him i guess would be the way to describe it um i don't know if i would give him such little credit actually because he i think he just doesn't know what to, what else to do with him you know i don't i don't think it's a matter of oh this this kid isn't isn't the Klingon that I am, because frankly, Worf is barely a Klingon, as we've gone over. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I just think he doesn't know how to be a father to this kid. So he's just doing what he thinks is the right thing to do, uh, even if he doesn't totally believe it to be the right thing to do. Like, I, I don't think he's, there's any, I don't think anything he's doing with Alexander is really bringing him any, like, closure or satisfaction. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's... At least until the end, anyway. So would, um, would you say that Alexander is incorrect in how he views his father? No. No, I think he's... Worf is a deadbeat dad for the most part, which is, you know, makes sense. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I also... I don't think that Worf is really... Tr- I think Worf actively trying to mold him into something in this episode that he does... You know, I wouldn't say he does a ton of it, just a little of it. I, I don't think it's because... I just think it's because he doesn't know what else to do. Hmm. 
so well, the what I think is interesting about this and why I said it, I thought it was borderline genius is that uh, Worf's fathering in TNG is more kind of like a funny joke about the way that they handled recurring characters on that show like mm-hmm. alexander was not in every episode because you don't want to have an alexander in every single episode so it, mm. it kind of just becomes this it's almost a meta commentary where you're like you're watching the show and saying well when does Worf ever spend any time with his kid right and it, it's just a product of the way that that story was uh, told so i thought what was, what's funny is that the writers recognize this and they bring it into um not to say the Worf is a good father in TNG, but they bring it into DS9 where they actually just kind of call out the fact that he was never with Alexander and that he shipped him mm-hmm. off every opportunity that he got to do that. And it's kind of a neat turn just because they brought in what was like a relic of the old TNG storytelling method and they comment on it. And I think that they make a believable case about like why Worf should have to think about this and stuff. But what I thought was really great about it is that I do think that Worf is a terrible father like it's it's a and i would agree that it's mostly it's a lot of it is that he doesn't know what he's doing but i think the i think the problem that he sent away alexander and then didn't talk to him for five years is pretty much the only point of evidence you need to make the case that Worf is bad at this like and that's why i get the sense that Worf is actively hiding from alexander i think alexander's right i think that he embarrasses Worf on some level but I think that the the ending of the episode has to be a Star Trek episode, and they screw that up. Like, I think that this is tremendously dark material. And the mm. ending where Alexander locks himself in a room and Worf is like, ha, 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 Alexander, you silly asshole. And then they're friends after that doesn't make any sense to me. It should be a pretty miserable dark ending, I think, is more appropriate here. Yeah, that, that scene was weird. Uh, I was expecting that to play out differently like it was the other dude who was ha- kind of hazing him locked him in there or something. I thought and Alexander was trying to kill himself. It was my first yeah. take <laughs> well, on it. went really dark with it. Holy shit. <laughs> well, because Worf um, says you locked yourself in. You know what I mean? And I thought he he had locked himself in to get like hit by the plasma blast or whatever was going on in there, yeah. Is that Joy Division I hear? <laughs> um, yeah, I thought for a second I thought it was a hazing thing and then I... Uh, but then when it wasn't, it, it was just like... Oh, yeah, he's kind of a goof, and I guess that's how it is. That's my boy. That's my boy. That scene was really silly, but I actually didn't mind the scene at the end. I like the scene at the end where where he joins the the House of Martok or whatever. Yeah. That's another thing that maybe if if this was a different show, you do that after a couple episodes, maybe. Yeah. because I don't think I is Alexander coming back. I assume we're not going to see him for a while. No, I don't think he ever comes back. In yeah, DS9, yeah, okay. Yeah. So par for the course as far as kids go. Right. He's, he's uh, shipped off like to Martok's family instead of shipped yeah, off to Earth. It's like Crockett's son in Miami Vice who uh, who disappears after like three episodes and then only shows up again like two years later. Yeah, yeah. It's un- when unnecessary they need to get details. Crockett out of town for a couple of days. <laughs> um. Yeah, you know, I, 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 uh, if. I'm a little surprised it didn't go a little bit darker with the ending where it was like um, uh, Alexander accomplishes the task that he's meant to do. And then after that, they end up splitting up and he goes off on another ship or some shit. You know what I mean? Like a like a Spock and Sarek kind of thing yeah, where they don't yeah. really acknowledge what they don't really come together, but they also are on better terms now. Something like that. Um, 
But, you know, if it's the last time he shows up, I don't mind the happy ending to it. But I, I do agree that it does get kind of Star Trek-y at the end. And that, that scene, it's they play him as... I think my biggest problem with it is I don't think the material coming from Alexander is up to par with the stuff coming from Worf. What do you, what do you uh, think is scene, wrong with Alexander? Or, I just don't think he has a lot to say. Uh, like the scenes that they have together, I feel like Worf is doing a lot of heavy lifting. And then Alexander is just kind of hitting the same notes all the time where he's like, well, you were a shitty dad. And yes, I was expecting a little bit more dramatically from him, I guess. Like, uh, I don't even know there, there was no indication of whether or not he was on that specific ship on purpose, specifically to spend time with Worf, or if that was a, a just a coincidence that he was pissed off that he had to, you know, you know yeah. what I mean? Yep. Like, there was no scene like that where he's like, I didn't even want to be on this ship. I didn't want to see you. I was just trying to make, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Or the, I, request, um, I requested this position to come in and shove this shit in your face, basically. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's just sort of like him going like, well, you were never there for me. It's like, well, why are you here now? I don't know, but you were never there for me. You know? <laughs> um, I, I find... I find Alexander fairly effective, and I think it's like it's almost a case where I don't think that he actually needs that much material because I think yeah. that it's kind of built in and baked into that character as it stands. Like he, I, I don't know. Like I feel tremendously sad for Alexander in this episode. Like he, he, oh, yeah. he it's yeah. just the fact that like he he doesn't fit in with the Klingons. He's been raised by the humans, and apparently is having a tougher go of it than Worf ever did, or anything like that. He's He's like so mentally confused about what he wants to do that even at the end of the episode, I'm not sure that Alexander would even want to join the House of Martok. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that that seems like yeah. a pleasing his father kind of thing that I don't I'm I guess I'm a little bit hazy on what Alexander's all about. As you say, I don't know why he's there in the first place, and I actually don't know what the resolution for Alexander would be that he would be happy with. And yeah, I actually don't there, think it's joining the house of Martok, but I don't know what else it is. There really isn't as far as resolutions go for him. There isn't really one. If you think about exact more or less what happens, it's in, it's, it's a resolution for Worf, but it's not a resolution for Alexander really. Right. You know? It's what Worf would want. It's Worf's exactly. best case scenario yeah. is the ending. Yeah. yeah. Like, you know, they do get into a bit of, the fact that Alexander's a bit of a wet blanket who is not good at fighting, yep, uh, and is really not good at being Klingon, <laughs> or and... or reading the uh, reading the the screens. He he does a yes. the actor does a very good effective job of reading the screen like someone who's not particularly good at reading a computer screen. It does. It reminds me of. Uh... It reminds me of the Star Trek version of when someone is is giving you directions like off of the GPS while you're driving. Oh, hate and it's it! It's like take 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 a right here, and it's like what this one? It's like no, the next one. Up, <laughs> oh, damn it! I'm sorry, it was the one before. I it, the screen. I thought it was the next one. It's like sixty seven percent of the fights me and Amy have had have come over me saying you have to anticipate when the blue dot is coming up on the street. You have to tell me what street is coming up before I get to the street. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for me, it's I, I, I always just wait right before uh, the 
time to turn comes so if or whatever the exit is so if like we get onto the highway and then my girlfriend says okay in six miles you're going to take exit three i'm like uh-huh and that just goes in one ear and out the other one <laughs> so when exit three comes up she's like exit three exit three i'm like oh yep i forgot i'm um i'm giving we, we, we I all give, have our methods i give way too much information i give like you're going to pass this street and this street their names are rose street and then petal street yeah. you're going to get the third right you're going to hit that one it's going to come back uh, i'm i'm sort of all over it but i guess it's a different different perspectives for different different people yeah. on how you use a, a mapping software but alexander does um a bang-up job of being that guy who's not particularly good at reading the google maps printout yeah he um i think with him the thing that's weird is you know you get that stuff with him and Worf, where Worf is trying to teach him how to fight and he's like i don't want to fight i just want a father or whatever and um but what you don't really get is Alexander figuring out what he's good at. And maybe, maybe that's something for another episode or, or a longer arc with him or something. But like the thing that he does at the end, isn't even like something that reveals anything new about his character, other than the fact that he decides that he he realizes he's no use on the bridge. Right. You know, like there's no, like the, the real ending to this episode should probably be like, Worf saying, you know, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to transfer you. I think we should spend some time together. Uh, General Martok has invited you to become part of the House of Martok, which would be mean a lot to me, and I think it would bring a lot of honor to our family or whatever. And then Alexander would be like, I appreciate that, but w- I'm not cut out for this. I need to. My join last name the, is Rojenko. Like I, yeah, or and like I, I, what I need to do is I need to. Uh, th- they've. They've, they've agreed to transfer me to like clerical or some shit. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> right, so, yeah. something that he knows that he's good at, that he can still be helpful and be part of the cause, but it is, is, is a win for him. What the fuck was that? Uh, I don't know if that came through, but it was a very loud horn. Um, something that's good for him and is a win for him and is sort of a win for Worf because he's got a son who's like confident and stuff, but it doesn't necessarily, you know, bridge that gap that they have. I see Alexander as I what I what I see Alexander as is he is Worf except he realizes that he's more human than Klingon at this point. Mm-hmm. Like he is he's kind of a uh, a human in Klingon clothing, which is why I think that the ending rings false to me. Like he should I think I think Alexander should go back home to Earth after this yeah, wraps up. Probably, like he, yeah. he, and that would be the case and I think that what Worf, what Worf needs to learn from this is to stop imposing his beliefs on Alexander. Like the, mm-hmm. the the tension always came from that that Alexander was not living up to what Worf expected from him. And as is commonly the trope with Worf stories, it's about Worf realizing like the line has to be drawn somewhere else than his hardline opinion about things yeah. like that. Mm-hmm. And here they don't do that. Worf kind of comes out on top again for no particular reason. And I don't, I don't believe that Alexander would really do that. And that's why I think that there's a little bit of, there's a little bit of melancholy in their relationship. I think that should be the way that it ends where Worf can be accepting of what Alexander wants to do while at the same time wishing he had gone down a different path, sort of. It's like the, yeah. the son who doesn't want to be a doctor and wants to go to like, you know, um, some sort of like interior design school or something like that. Like they, he doesn't, he, doesn't want to be a king. He just wants to sing. Right. Exactly. It, that should be the, the tension between those two. And I'd be happy with that kind of bittersweet ending there. 
where you can still dress up Alexander as kind of a goofball who's not particularly good at it, but Worf embraces his human side of not really caring about how good of a Klingon he is for him, yeah. and then they can go their separate ways, and I'd be okay with it. I don't care that you're a shitty Klingon. I just care that you're a good son. <laughs> you're literally the worst Klingon. You're just, just awful at this. This is terrible. Falling over tables and stuff also, like that. Also, uh, fun... Uh, uh, Gabrielle Union played a Klingon in this in this episode. Oh, really? Yeah. Do you know which? The, or the, she, I, well, I assume it's the, the female the, the female Klingon who looks like she's about twelve. Yeah. <laughs> because for some reason, if you're, I feel like in order to play a Klingon and, and have it not seem like you are a child, you have to be like thirty plus. Yeah, you've got to be fairly old. Like no one, no yeah. one looks like a super fit. Uh, Mid twenties Klingon, I don't think they yeah. always, they always Which, are. Which you know, you would old. think you would think there would be a lot of younger Klingons based on their warrior race status, and you know, you know, like there's there'd be less old Klingons. Yeah, less yeah, less old Klingons. Be, I think. Yeah, there should be fewer old ones because they're either dead or just you know broken. Uh, and the uh, the younger ones should be the ones you know uh, r- ruling ever. Honestly, it should probably be a, a society ruled by a lot of young people. Yeah, you know the the youngest and strongest. Yep, the Daenerys, uh, Stormborn, or whatever. <laughs> I think um, I don't really. I mean, I, I think that's. We'll just finish up with Alexander. I guess is that mm-hmm. like I, I don't know. Were, were you happy with seeing Alexander in this kind of a uh, a role? Is that like Alexander a person that you thought you'd want to see, or did um you know anything sort of stick out for you in terms of him popping well, up? Well, Alexander is is never a person that I want to see. No. But yeah, I, uh, but I, I thought it was good. Yeah, I thought I thought it was a good use for him. Um, I'm actually, I was a little bit bummed. Well, knowing now that this is the last episode he's in, it bums me out a little bit because I think there is there could have been more stuff that, especially during wartime and stuff. I think they could have had some, uh, and you know, the Worf's getting married and what's that like mm. for him? Uh, I think there's it's an it's an element of Worf's life that could be explored a little bit better. Um, so I, I I think there would have there could have been more stuff to do with him, but if they got to end it with him, I'm, I I can't say I'm going to be missing him. Yeah, I think it's I think it's kind of a missed opportunity to really put a little bit of um, shading to Worf Worf's character because yeah. I do think Worf is clearly in the wrong about this. Like he's he's yeah. basically emotionally traumatized a child uh, from this point going yeah. forward, and I don't know if he deserves. Um, his respect and things at the end like that. Like I, I, I don't know. I, I, the, the Klingon culture thing of family is so important. You think that they'd stress that a little bit more like Alexander yeah, doesn't yeah. care about the family. And that's like the biggest, uh, like sort of misstep that a Klingon could make in that kind of point of view. But we, I, I always have debates with, um, Amy about this, but it's like the, like how far does the bond of family go? Like if you have a really awful rel- if you have a if you have a really <laughs> I'm just thinking about how that comes up. <laughs> if you have like a listen, really listen, I know that because we're married, you expect me to replace the toilet paper when it's done because we have a familial bond. But honestly, how far does that bond really go? I can take that ring off your finger just as easily as it went on. I th- like the if you have a if you have a bad. I think there's a difference in um, opinion about how people treat family in terms of like if you have a bad family member who's like an objectively bad person to you. Some families are very willing to forgive or try to help that person. My family has Mm. always been more of the cut loose and never talk to them sort of like we've had that in our family where people just don't speak to anymore because of some sort of uh, nonsense about it. But 
Like when you when you come down to it, I think that people like the Klingons put a lot of stress on family, and I think that it's a bond that maybe can be um, abused that way. Like because you claim a blood relationship, you can kind of get over on people sometimes. Like if you're yeah. not being rational about how uh, people handle problems and stuff like that. And I think that Worf maybe could have explored that a little bit here with Alexander, where. Alexander is more willing to break free of a an abusive relationship that he's in, and he's willing to move on from it. And Worf sees that as a a horrible thing that you can do as a Klingon. It's the only thing that like he he fought so hard to hold on to his house and everything like that, and Alexander's just giving it away freely. Well, I think there's a well. First of all, it's I speaking of familiar the the bonds of familiar relationships. Have you ever noticed that it's the it's the people who are are the most intense about family that always have the worst relationships with their family? Yes, so I, it's like I'd agree people that, who are yeah. like, you do not disrespect my family. So like, well, you you fucking hate each other. You're, right. you're awful people. Um, but as far I mean, with Wharf too, there's uh. You would think Alexander could or could come at him, or at least the writers could come at him from the standpoint of, dude, your whole thing was regaining honor to your father's house, and now that you have a son, you have you just fuck off and don't even pretend like he doesn't exist. Right? What, where is if you want to get into the uh, uh, whether or not Worf is is a legit Klingon? Or is just sort of cosplaying a Klingon, a hipster Klingon. I feel like that's a big part of it because he's he's going out of his way to to uh, try and uh, piece together this this honor for this family that he supposedly is a part of. But when it comes to his actual family, his actual blood that he very easily could avert the same problems, he has chosen to just not be there at all. Yeah, I mean, he got rid of Kern. Right. In that episode where he mind wiped Kern to get rid of him. That was a little bit more of a moral dilemma for him. But it is Mm -hmm. like the point should be made against Worf. Were you doing this to fix the house or in the family? Or were you doing this for yourself to feel better about yourself in terms of Klingon uh, society? Like, is this just you with low self-esteem saying I need to restore this? Or does the house actually mean anything to you? And I think exactly I think that Worf's answer there would probably be illuminating because I don't think he can actually believe in the house if he's treated Alexander this way. Um, I think if I had, if I had to give this story more time instead of uh, it ending with Alexander joining the house of Martok, I would end with a similar sort of ceremony where they establish the house of war for something like that. You know what I mean? Yeah, Right. Where it's like he has, because because even even being part of the house of Martok, it's like yeah, you well, you're only doing that because you want the 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 status. Yeah, social of, cachet of, is very important. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and I'm not saying like he's you know uh, a uh, familial gold digger or anything, but it's like it's you know it's he's it's it's part of his Klingon thing that he barely has a connection to, that he needs to be part of a house in order to have honor or some shit like that. Where if the story were to be him being like, you know what? I thought being part of the house of Martok would bring honor to me, but what really brings honor to me is the family that I have with my son and all the, you know, that kind of stuff and, yep. and establishing his own house. That's honestly, that should be the end of Thwarf's story, right? Yeah. Cause his, he, he goes after this, uh, this illusion of family for so long that the, the only way to end his story I think would be to have him realize, no, I need to create my own family, you know? And it's, it's a shame because they're pushing that way too. Cause you got Dax coming on board. 
uh, you know, Alexander comes back. If you had more time and they had, you know, or whatever, I think that would have been a really nice way to end it for him. Yeah, yeah. Let's, um, we can talk about the Kira storyline briefly. I don't have a lot to say about this one. Um, it does feel to me, and I mentioned this last episode, it does feel like this should come before Kira's turn in the last episode, I think. Um, yeah, yes, I, I know what you're saying, but I, I also have uh, a, an answer to that. Um, do you want me to say it now, or do yeah, you have yeah. more you wanted to No, go ahead. Okay. Well, I was, well, what I actually kind of liked about it is that it shows that her resolve is not in, like concrete. Like, she can still be pushed a little bit. Uh, like she's, she's scheming with Odo, but she is still, um, you know, it, it's still, uh, she, she has moments of, I don't even know if temptation is the word, but, uh, uh, she can relax on her morals, um, a little bit. She's not just a hardcore, no, I am now back to, uh, uh, Kira Norris, uh, revolutionary, you know? Right. Um, and I, I like that. I, I think uh, I think that's an interesting way to play her because I think it's an evolution of her character because she's a, she's a lot less hardlined. We, even if she doesn't, in this case, it's something that just sort of happens and she doesn't realize she's doing it, which I think is is the the way to the way to go. Like I don't I don't need a moral conflict where she's like, oh, you know, I really hate these Dominions and the Cardassians, but Ducart's being really nice to me. Right. You know, like, it, you you just let your guard down for a minute. You kind of slip back into old habits or, you know, there's a third person involved, like Z.I., like the daughter is. <laughs> the um, daughter of <laughs> Yes. And, you know, I, I, I like that it shows that she's still... A, a, a multifaceted character, not just a hardline, you know, revolutionary now. Yeah, I am. Um, I, I think I'm not super crazy about this storyline just because I feel that Ducat's, I feel Ducat is a little bit off in this one. He doesn't. He's he, overly, uh, a, like, romantically aggressive. Yeah, well, but I, like, I. If I li- that's even the word. I liked the earlier portrayal of him, which is more. He's in such a clear position of power over her that it should come across as more threatening than just a guy who's got a crush on her, sort of chasing her around. Yeah. And it's still pretty creepy, though. It is creepy. And I, I, and you know that Kira doesn't want to be there or anything like that. And she doesn't have any outs. But it, it comes across as a I don't think it's a I don't think it's the right tone for him at that point mm-hmm. like i just feel it's a little bit off and it's not quite as threatening and i feel like kira sometimes slips into it a little bit too easily like when they're sitting next to each other on the couch and stuff like that like yeah, I, yeah, it, it makes fair. me a little bit uncomfortable and i know that um the not visitor was like very demanding that the writers never pair them together as a yeah, couple yeah because yeah. that doesn't make any sense but i feel that this yeah, episode yeah. comes a little bit too close to doing that it, it makes them it makes them relate to each other a little bit too strongly. I know that's kind of the point is that there's supposed to be a little bit of something there, but I think it's a little bit too much. Yeah, I think this this episode is like two clicks away from having a scene where Ducat's like, well, you know, you will learn to love me. You know, right. like one of those, you know. <laughs> I am a patient love man. Love will come with time, yeah. Maurice. Yeah. And she's like, I'll never love you. <laughs> but or outside whatever. of that... Like I- I- I like the smallness uh, of it. Like yeah. I like the sort of simplistic, uh, not simplistic, but I like the simple nature of the story that's going on there. And I think they continue to do good work with Kira being stuck on Tarek Noor at this point in the storyline. Yeah. And I also didn't, I don't like that they, I, I, I think there's still, 
not quite in the realm of Ducat being romantically aggressive. Uh, I think there's still a little bit of a line there. Uh, it's it's it, they're pushing it, but um, I never and I said it at the at the time. You know, I don't know if it was last season or whenever when they had their big thing uh, conversation together. Uh, and you were saying you were talking about how oh, Ducat is romantically interested in Kira, and I was like, I don't think that's the case at all. And I I still think. I would really prefer that not be the case mm. uh, because everything he's doing in this episode is um, are power moves, basically, that I don't necessarily think they have to be romantic power moves. Like uh, having her show up at, at every time he comes back to greet him uh, is, you know, a pretty fucked up power move. Even the dress thing. I think the dress is where it gets kind of blurry because it's like, oh, he's given her a sexy dress to wear. Yeah. But even that is like a, a power move where he's like, look at the fine things that I can give you if you come over to our side. Yeah. Um, Because I, I never, I, I don't like the idea of Ducat just having a crush on Kira because I think they're there. Um, he seems smarter than that. Yeah, he seems smarter than that, and also the the interesting part of their relationship, I think, is is is. I, I let me rephrase that. Their relationship is more interesting if if romance is not a part of it. Right. Yeah, I, I'd agree. I what I like about the dress thing is that when he gives it to his daughter at the end yeah. and just kind of mm-hmm. flips it, I think that's a mm-hmm. great Ducat moment where he's just yes. like, yeah, "Yeah, this I intended to give this to you." Um, <laughs> that that's a good. Uh, play on the father uh, daughter father son theme that they've got going mm. here and how they're the this sort of uh the manipulation of parents and children and stuff like that i think that that's a really good ducat moment but the rest of it kind of as you're saying the uh the relationship there is sort of unnecessary i'm okay with it being 90 percent power 10 percent romance like if romance is kind of like the i almost prefer it if his romance thing is more he uses it to annoy kira in a way like yeah. it's his way of it's almost like maybe he is maybe he isn't into her but he does it more as kind of a like it, more of a self-awareness to his role and like yeah. or his feelings about her and he's like i'm gonna do this because it annoys her and maybe you know there's a lottery ticket that this will actually work out yeah like uh <laughs> when, I, when i was in college there was a, a girl who was um kind of she 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 was interested in me. I was not really interested in her. Um, but instead of just going our separate ways, she just because we had mutual friends, she decided to really lean into that mm. uh, and constantly berate me um, and like <laughs> basically do what Ducat's doing. Where I was like, yeah, yeah, it's funny. Yeah, no, I don't want to kiss you. Thanks, I'm good. Um, so I can see. Yeah, it's real annoying. I can see why yeah. that would, uh, especially in this situation. Uh, but also, I mean, you can look at it the other way, too, where it's like if it wasn't for that other episode where they kind of plant the seeds, depending on your point of view of this of Ducat kind of being into her, I could also see it as being like the ultimate power move would be to seduce her, you know, mm-hmm. uh, if you want to get really dark with it. I mean, yes. having uh, seducing Kira, the the ultimate enemy of the Cardassian people is is a pretty you know, fucked up power move. Yeah. Weirdly, I don't think that feels very Star Trekky. And I'm all for no, I'm, I'm all it for pushing the boundaries of the series, but it feels more and especially with this like war story of DS9, I feel it should just be more of a political power play, like a yeah. Game of Thrones type thing. I I agree that him sort of 
him conquering her uh sort of sexually or whatever would be like what is a potential series way for this to go or it's like one show could some show could do that and i think make yeah. that the point yeah. of it but i don't know ds9 it doesn't seem to come across and just because it's still Star Trek, and the still the sexy stuff is still weird. Like when Worf and Dax are making out at the start, I'm like, "Whoa, just like stop, <laughs> just stop doing that." It's disgusting. It's another instance where it's like, I don't think Worf knows how to do this, because because Dax seems like, yeah, we're just making out, and Worf is just like pushing his face onto her neck. I wish you could. I wish I had a visual that I could give you right now, but um, it, it it's very much like when two people in a, in a TV show or a movie are kissing and they clearly are like movie kissing and it's just like mouths just pressing. Yeah, yeah. You know, dry, dry, tucked in lips just pressing on each other. You know, mm-hmm. you've... Uh, we've, <laughs> we've made fun of Michael Dorn's uh, fighting acting, but... I think you have to give the man credit. He he acts like a man suppressing blue balls, the the best <laughs> I've ever seen. When Dax stops kissing him and he moves off, and he just kind of stares at the wall. And he's like, "Yeah, all right." I know. I was thinking. I was thinking for a second after that he was just gonna like flip out and like smash a table. Or something. <laughs> he's like, "I have to take a shower." Um, yeah, th- that's uh, that's that's pretty much the extent of it. I, I think we've talked about. Everything that we can in this one. I don't have much to say about the Zayal storyline outside of that, but interesting episode. Uh, let's take a break. We're going to play an, epi- uh, an audio clip. We're going to come back. We're going to read some patron thoughts and give our final thoughts about sons and daughters. I cannot change the mistakes I have made, but from this day forward, I promise I will stand with you. We'll see if you mean it. Yes, we will. What you are about to do entails a grave obligation. Do not accept it lightly. I understand. And I accept. Good. I will teach you what you need to know to be a warrior. And you will teach me what I need to know to be a father. All right, everybody. So if you support the show on patreon.com slash the Penske file, you get to leave your thoughts about upcoming episodes. A couple dollars a month, you can do that. And then we read them on the podcast. So let's go through these quickly, Clay. Andrew Cherlog, Sons and Daughters, classic A-B storytelling in DS9 as we get a relationship being healed and another beginning to fray. Alexander, who, some, who is somehow old enough to serve in the Klingon army, and Worf begin the process of healing as Alexander tries to embrace his Klingon side as Worf understands his own failings as a father. Meanwhile, the rose-colored glasses of Zial for Dukat are slowly starting to wear off. Dukat is blatantly using his daughter to attempt to get physical with Kira. It's sickening, but it's a further deepening of the Dukat character that is needed as the war drags on. Do, do, do. Next one is Zamnuka Wessel says, Sons and daughters, when Alexander burns Worf for not visiting for five years, Worf must be thinking, Well, I wanted to visit Earth last year, but Dax insisted we go to Ryza, where we had the worst vacation ever. It's true. Yeah. He should just blame his, his future <laughs> wife. <It's laughs> you know, if you're stepping in as a stepmom role, you have to understand that that's the role that you have to, you have to do- take some of the brunt. Do they ever talk about it? Does I can't remember if it's ever come up in a Worf and Dax scene where Dax... Because I feel like Dax would be like, dude, take care of your fucking kid. Yeah, in, in this episode, should have her saying, you have a... She should be with Martok when Worf's like, that's my son. And she's like, you have yeah. a what? <laughs> you have a what? <laughs> Norman Buckwald says... 
If anyone thought Alexander the Kid was irritating, they never met Alexander the Teen. It was in Firstborn, because of Alexander's future self, that Worf realizes he should stop pressuring Alexander to be a warrior, and now here is Alexander suddenly enlisting and being on Martok's ship. How can that happen? That story ended up being painful, and Worf looked, at all the wor- looked all the worse by not letting Martok know about Alexander's existence. In the long run, the story didn't go anywhere, except to excuse why Worf and Dax moved up their wedding so that none of Worf's Enterprise friends, except for O'Brien, could attend and you're cordially invited. This subplot is truly the only damper in an otherwise brilliant DS9 occupied arc. In the same episode, though the Zayal episode is brilliant, as Dukat has the audacity to try to use his daughter to try to somehow develop a bond with Kira that he was truly naive with all his hubris he thought could ever happen. But when after Kira rejects the sexy dress as a gift and then Dukat gives it to Zayal, even more the, than how Weinstein Dukat was in a time to stand, Dukat definitely reveals his true ugliness to a point of disturbing with that action. Then again, Dukat sees Bajoran women as playthings, and why wouldn't his half-Bajoran daughter be an exception? Was they all truly seen as his daughter with respect to family, or as a treasure to be displayed? It's good. Do you think Do you think we're just, I'm not appreciating the Dukat storyline? I, I understand what they're doing with the Dukat storyline. I just feel mm-hmm. the execution was slightly off for me. Um, yeah, I, I, I think using uh, Zyle as a... a <laughs> Xylophone. I feel like using a xylophone in that part of the score was appropriate. Um, I think using using his daughter as as a leverage tool against Kira is is very much a Ducat thing. I but yeah, I just I don't think the the end game of this episode I don't think is very clear. Because mm-hmm. uh, again, I I don't know if it's explicitly a romantic thing he's trying to do. Or if he's trying to use her to uh, curry more favor with Kira politically, you know, it's not super clear what his motives are. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think that would probably help a little bit. Yeah, I, I, I'd agree. I, th- I think that's my problem with it. Like to me, the the that storyline almost slips under the Wharf storyline. Like I find the Wharf storyline fascinating in a way that. I don't for the Ducat storyline, sort of, even though I, th- mm. I feel that I should. I feel like the Wharfs thing is so bizarre that it kind of distracts me and takes my attention, attention away from it. Yeah, I also think that I, 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 there's more stuff that you can do there using uh, using Ducat's daughter as... Um, <laughs> I'm just not, I'm not even going to try anymore. It's, uh, it's uh, totally out of my... It's totally stuck in my brain. I have no idea how to pronounce her name. Go ahead. Zeal. Zeal. There's a, zeal, a, a zest for life with some zeal. Yeah. Uh, I think there's there's a, a, a more to do there where you could use her... Um, y- you could focus on how she's being used as a pawn and how that is affecting her and how Kira is feeling from watching that happen. Because she, uh, she's coming into the situation fairly... Uh, uh, um, naive and 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 hoping for the best you know she's come off of 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 bajor kind of not feeling like she had a place and now her dad wants her back so she's coming and she's got a very positive outlook but she's very clearly being used as a pawn by ducat yeah so yeah. i think there's more you could get more some more juicy stuff out of that um but yeah it's, they just don't have much room to really get into it and again it's not super clear why he's doing it Kyle Barrett says, I remember this episode being a significant low point in an excellent serialized arc, and yeah, okay it is, but it's not as bad as I remember. 
In fact, I think it's pretty okay. The Kira storyline feels like a bit of a repeat of the last episode, here focusing on her relationship with Dukat rather than Cardassians in general, and it would have been nice to weave her story over the last two episodes together so that she only has one epiphany about her relationship with the Cardassians instead of two. But otherwise, I like it, and Alexander isn't quite as excruciatingly annoying this time, so that's a plus. Either Alexander has had an encounter with a time crystal on Borath, I apologize for bringing the podcast down with a Discovery reference, or Klingons age really fast because Alexander is only eight years old in this episode. (laughs) (laughs) Excuse me, I didn't realize that. Also, kudos to the casting agent for finding someone more theatrical than Avery Brooks to play the Klingon Alexander fights. Always got to look for um, sassy Klingons. Matthew Ross says, sons and daughters, let me scroll down here. So what's a detang? Sounds dirty the way Dax says it. Oh, a knife. The opening with Worf being a stick in the mud and Dax being chill was fine, as is the slight continuation of Rocks and Shoals. You have to wonder how hard up the good guys are with half-dead food for Klingons, a lack of personnel and chips and fed officers, dreaming of field rations and canned peaches. Seeing this iteration of Alexander is amusing, as the interaction between father and son is either after-school cringy or really dysfunctional. And of course, Alex sucks at at hand-to-hand combat. Look who taught him. Back at DS9, it's interesting interesting visually how the Dominion reinforced the station as opposed to the Federation's half-assed collection of two to three ships. I find it also odd that Kira, Jake, Quark, and even Odo are not being watched or even implied that they are, or it's not even implied that they are. Zale's return, Zale's return, Jake just comes up and he's like, hey guys, can I join your yeah. secret resistance? Uh, <laughs> Zale's return. Can I do some rebelling? Zaya's return and her naive optimism is dashed in the light of reality. I enjoyed Kira's sudden realization that she was getting too cozy with Dukat. Meanwhile, at the after-school special of the Klingons, that sudden and almost literal switch of realization that maybe father and son should reconcile and Alex should try harder was so rushed as to be ridiculous as the Klingon bar mitzvah ceremony. For the most part, a minor story stuck in the war arc to try and make the war have more emotion. And... Yarpy says... It's kind of amazing how big of a fuck-up they made Alexander. Worf is probably the worst Klingon father ever and the most disappointing father of the Klingons. Not my favorite episode, but the juxtaposition between the both sets of kids and their fathers was a nice touch. The relationship between Dukat and Zayal gives him a nice heft. And then finally, You really gotta be bad at being a dad to be the worst Klingon father. Yeah. I assume most Klingon fathers are not very good. Yes, I, I assume there's a long line for that, uh, that honor. Christian Pouch with the final comment, sons and daughters, honestly, I'm not sure what to think of how DS9 chose to take the Alexander storyline. I don't think he ever wanted to be a warrior that much, except that Worf was prodding him about it. Does it make sense? Is Worf the worst dad ever? Maybe she should get advice from Cisco. It's not a huge problem for me, as I find it all the less annoying than earlier episodes with child Alexander. Boy, does that kid grow up fast. Martok, as usual, is great and seems to know how to handle Alexander better. Maybe Worf should get pointers from Martok, or you know anyone at all. I like the stuff with Zayal and the irony that Kira cares for her far more than Dukat does. I think Dukat does love her, but he's too blinded by other considerations to be more than surface level with her. Thank you, patrons, very much. Thank you for leaving your thoughts. You can support the show at patreon.com slash the Penske file if you want to leave your thoughts, and if you want other podcasts and stuff like that. Clay, on a scale of one to five, what are you going to give this one? Um, Three? Yeah. I'm... I'm you know, as seriously as I take the, the ratings, I'm, I'm kind of torn about this one. I find it fascinating, but I don't know how good of an episode it is. Yeah. Um, I think I'm also going to go with the three, but I think it's like a, a really fascinating three that I wouldn't even say it whiffs as much as I, I don't know. I, I feel like the aim was just slightly off. Like it's slightly askew from everything that I would want this episode to deal with. And yeah. 
that kind of ends up with this middling thing where it's a good idea, just not well executed. Yeah, I would agree. That's about it. Guys, thank you very much. Had a little bit of rush here, but we got to wrap up our recording. You can support the show at patreon.com slash the Pensky file. Follow all the social media links down below. Check out the website if you want to get all the uh, old back catalog because the podcast feed is now over 300 episodes, so you can't get them all. Check out the website, thepenskypodcast.com. Discord, Twitter, Facebook, blah, blah, blah. All that stuff. Teespring, PayPal, if you want to pay, uh, support the show that way. Clay, do you have anything you want to say before we go? Uh, yeah, again, I've got a Kickstarter that I'm going to be doing next month for a comic book I'll be doing. Uh, and as that gets closer to launching, I'll have more information. So if you want to follow me on Twitter, at DeadMeatComic, you can do that. And I would be much obliged. Yep. You can, there'll be a link to Clay's Twitter in the uh, the post for this and the, the little link for his name and the, uh, the podcast blurb. So if you want to find it that way. Otherwise, you can stay tuned here. He'll have more information for you going forward. So that's it for Sons and Daughters. Probably the weakest episode of the war arc so far, or the occupation arc or whatever, but eh, still not bad. Still, still, still decent. Um, what do we have next? Behind the Lines is the next episode. So, guys, thank you very much for listening, and we'll see you next time.